Good morning and welcome to Convo on this day that feels a little November-ish to me. Welcome to fall. My name is Regina Shan Stoltzfus and I teach here at Goshen College. I teach primarily in my home department is Peace, Justice, Conflict Studies, but you will also see me in Bible and Religion, Sociology and Women's Studies classes. So I hope to see a lot more of you in the semesters to come. African-American sociologist and activist W.E.B. Du Bois said famously that the problem of the 20th century is the color line. He said this in 1903, the dawn of the 20th century, and he was right. The 20th century in this country, to only name a few of the things that we were faced with, saw the lingering effects of the backlash against the Reconstruction era, the rise of Jim Crow, legalized segregation and systemic violence against African Americans. We saw over 110,000 Japanese and Japanese Americans forcibly relocated to internment camps in the wake of the bombing at Pearl Harbor. We saw the downward spiral of life chances on Indian reservations along with the founding of Indian boarding schools where the boldly stated philosophy was only a slight shift from the previous philosophy which had been the only good Indian is a dead Indian. That, that shift was in the boarding school era, uh, kill the Indian and save the man. More recently, we have seen tensions rise over the increasing number of immigrants from Mexico and countries in Central and South America, and certainly we have seen violence and suspicion directed at members of the Muslim community. Now to be sure, the 20th century also saw great gains and much progress. This progression did not happen by accident, but was the result of movements of people, not only the African-American Civil Rights Movement, but a number of other movements and the coalescing of a great amount of energy from those movements, such as the Chicano Movement and the American Indian Movement, the Peace Movement, the Women's Movement, so much energy coming together to move us forward, and we gained much. Major gains have been achieved, and for this we celebrate, and we are grateful. But we also know that the work is not yet done. In the words of Ella Baker, we who believe in freedom cannot rest. In the words of Jesus, blessed are the peacemakers. And so we have been thinking what better place to center the work of teaching and learning our collective histories and embodying new ways of living that emerge from that learning and teaching then this campus-wide laboratory, whose theme, if you've not heard it yet, is healing the world piece by piece. We do know that much of the healing the world needs centers around racial and ethnic conflict. And we know that the injustices that are embedded in the structures of the institutions we have inherited are places that we need to do this work. This is not new work for us here at Goshen College. We can certainly name a list of activities over the years that we have been involved in that, that speak directly to these issues. This year, we are working hard across the campus to knit these efforts together in a more intentionally focused and comprehensive fashion. 
So we will keep doing some of the things that we have been doing. We will reshape some of what we've been doing, and we will do some new things. There will be opportunities across the campus for all of us, students, faculty, and staff. You will hear in just a few moments about one particular effort that is student-led, ethnic diversity circles, and there will be an opportunity for students to sign up to be a part of the circles that are starting in just a few weeks following Convo today. And so if you have questions about that, um, uh, hopefully they will be answered in the next few moments. We have two students who will be leading diversity circles who will talk about that process and talk a little bit about their uh, experience as part of of diversity circles here on campus, both as participants and upcoming as leaders in that effort. And then a little while later, we will be hearing from our guest here on campus today, Dr. Brenda Salter McNeil, who I'm glad to see again, and I will introduce her. But first, we will hear from students who have been involved in diversity circles, Danielle Moya and Annalise Smucker. Okay, so diversity circles. It's a bit of an ambiguous name. Um, I didn't exactly know what it was when I first heard about it. Um, it sounds sweet, but what do you do? Uh, simply put, diversity circles are small groups of students who get together intentionally to talk about race in an honest and safe atmosphere. Um, they are facilitated by other students, like myself and Danielle. Um, and there are two facilitators for each group from different ethnic backgrounds. Um, most of us have done them in the past at some point and have felt that the experience was positive and very important. There are six sessions, once a week for two hours, lasting six weeks in total. Um, and the sessions are based on a discussion guide called Facing Racism in a Diverse Nation and have structured questions and activities that lead you through thinking and talking about these issues. But it's not really a classroom setting, so the structure is really loose and honest conversation can just flow. Um, so why should you participate? Well, last year I participated in one of the diversity circles and felt really positive about it. As a white person, it's easy for me not to talk about race. Um, when racism is working, it's easier for me than for people of color to blend in and to not engage in these issues. Um, but racism affects our world today in so many different ways, and it's critical that we are talking about it. Uh, diversity circles are a safe space with open dialogue. Um, also, you meet sweet people, and many of the friendships I began last year in the circles have continued this year. Um, and if you're worried about the time commitment, um, the groups can meet over supper or whatever fits your schedule the best. Um, believe me, it's definitely something worth devoting some time to. Um, as a Christ-centered college where we are all encouraged to be compassionate peacemakers and global citizens, a critical aspect of education is to explore the role race has played in the past and today. So this is really important. Um, and if you want to get involved, there's a sign-up sheet outside of chapel today, as well as brochures, or you can see myself or Danielle um, after this. So. Good morning. Um, I got involved with diversity circles because I wanted to share about my background and life. As a Latin American in the United States, I was also very interested in um, in hearing about other students' views on race and how they have been challenged or, and encouraged by their experiences with people from different cultures and race. Um, I believe that dialogue is essential to build bridges that connect us with each other 
and help us learn from our experiences, in, especially in a world that tends to divide societies. Uh, so Diversity Circles is a space for this, for dialogue, for encounter, um, for making peace with, with uh, one another by sharing our views and our stories. Um, my experience with Diversity circle, Circles was very enriching. Our group was able to talk freely about race and about our identities as Hispanics or whites or blacks, and this became a small but important step to build these bridges that create unity, hope, and peace. Um, and if you join, you also have the opportunity to come up with ideas for promoting diversity in the Goshen College community and to apply them. So I strongly encourage you to join. Uh, you will have a safe space for dialogue and the opportunity to go beyond your comfortable zones by sharing in community. Thank you. Thank you, Danielle and Annalie. Please uh, seek out students who have been involved in circles. If you have more questions about it, or there will be time to ask questions yet today um, as, we, as we move towards the end of chapel. And so, as I said, we will be continuing on some of the things that we started, and there will be new things. So be on the lookout across campus for opportunities to be involved in this conversation. One of the uh, new things that we will be doing this year, you'll hear about in just a few moments. Uh, we will be participating as a campus in a cultural audit. And it is my pleasure at this moment to introduce or reintroduce Dr. Brenda Salter McNeil, who um, was introduced to many of us on this campus last year when she came to speak uh, with us and was with us for several days. Dr. Salter McNeil is joining our efforts by working with the GC campus on a cultural audit. She will explain that and uh, talk more about her, the, the, compre the comprehensive efforts of her work for communities such as ours. A few more things that I'd like to tell you about her, though, is that she is a speaker and an author and a leader in the field of racial, ethnic, and gender reconciliation. She is president and founder of Salter McNeil and Associates, which is a Christian organization that partners with organizations to transform them into reconciling communities by producing interculturally competent leaders on places such as college campuses, in churches, and in other organizations around the world. Dr. Salter McNeil is the author of a book entitled A Credible Witness, Reflections on Power, Evangelism, and Race, and she is also the co-author of a book titled The Heart of Racial Justice, How Soul Change Leads to Social Change. Will you join me in welcoming Dr. Brenda, Sal Brenda Salter McNeil? so much. It's an honor to be back with you and uh, to be uh, back on Goshen College campus in particular. I am excited for the process we're about to enter in together and I should tell you that this is the first time ever and I have been doing this work for a long time that uh, I was asked to explain to, a, to, the, to the entire college community at the same time what we're doing and why we're doing it so everyone is informed. I just so applaud 
applaud Dr. Nance and the leaders who have made the decision that convocation should be used in this way. So I'll lay out what we're going to do. And then afterwards, for those of you who can, you'll get a chance to ask me questions. But I think it is quite uh, indicative of your community that people all gather together to hear together what are we doing and why. So let me start by saying why, what we're doing and why we're doing it from a, from a biblical perspective. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says this about us. We have been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. And uh, I've known that ever since I was a Christian. And I uh, actively started following Jesus when I was 19 years old, a sophomore at Rutgers University. And so I understood that we were called to this thing called reconciliation. But if you asked me for details about what that looked like and how you actually do it, I wasn't quite clear. Now that I have grown in my faith and in my walk with God and have become a facilitator of processes around this work, I've also found that not only do we not understand it as clearly as we might want to as individuals, institutionally, we're not always sure how to lead that process or measure it. We are theoretically and theologically committed to that truth. But when you ask us practically, how do you know you are moving forward in that ministry of reconciliation, we kind of hope that we're doing well. We look at numbers and we say, look, we've got more, and you name the type of students, you know, we've got more Filipino students, look, we're doing better. But when those students graduate, or if those students were not there, is it only by numbers that we decide how well we're doing? And so the question becomes, in a Christian context uh, of higher education, how do we benchmark our progress? How do we know where we really are? How do we know where we're strong? And how do we know what is the next step for us? So that's the process of moving into a cultural audit. It doesn't mean that we've done anything wrong. It doesn't mean that somehow we have blown it. Uh, oftentimes, it means we're close to accreditation. And it would be very nice for us to show the nice accreditation people that we are doing very well at this. And so that doesn't hurt. Um, and so I thank God for accreditation because it keeps me hired. And <laughs> every 10 years, I know that I'm going to get called somewhere because the accreditation uh, agencies now are looking for us to demonstrate not just a heartfelt belief in, but a tangible, clear strategy for achieving this ministry of reconciliation as regards diversity. Let me also say this, and then I'll talk to you from my notes. As I've traveled the country and as I do consultations around the country and work with both secular and, and, and sacred, by, you know, that's a huge, big gulf, but as I work in Christian and non-Christian environments, let me tell you one of the things I'm learning. People who are looking for you all to graduate are looking for a certain type of college graduate. They're looking for two things, and on one thing, we do very, very well. As I talk to potential employers and people around the country who are really looking for the job market, the, the pool of the next job market, they want moral individuals. Because of employee theft, because of um, the greed that we've all read about that led to the economic downturn that we've been experiencing in this country, people who are about to hire you want you to be moral and ethical people. And they have said that we can train people to do the job, but we can't train people to have character. 
And so when they look for college graduates to employ, one of the things that they're quite impressed about when they see a person from a place like Goshen is that we do a very good job of cultivating the character, the ethic, and the morality that they're looking for in people that they'd like to employ. But because of the shift in our world, the changing global demographic, they're also looking for a second type of graduate. They're looking for not just moral and ethical people, but people who are interculturally competent. They're wanting to know that you can work in a changing demographic workforce effectively that you know how to relate cross-culturally effectively. And so one of the critiques that they have of Christian higher education is that we're excellent, very strong on the moral ethical stuff, but we're not as good as, as graduating people who have had tangible, clear experiences that have helped them to become interculturally competent. I understand that Goshen, from the president to your board to the people that I've had the opportunity to meet in the center here, that you all have made up your minds that this college will be a college that puts the two together. So with that being said, let me talk about the process that will be in for the next three days. Basically, what Salter McNeil and Associates does is come into a college or a university understanding that students benefit from a campus that reflects a broad range of intellectual and cultural perspectives. We believe that a diverse student population and faculty are essential components for reaching the goal of being an interculturally competent campus. And so what we've done is developed a self-study. A self-study means that one of the things we're going to be doing is helping your institution evaluate itself. It's not like we come with a great big stethoscope from on high that tells you how your diversity pulse beat is doing. Instead, we come and listen to you. We do formal questions through interviews and surveys to try to get a, a sense of where you are in general around some of these, these issues. But we also conduct focus groups where we listen to you and hear some of your stories, understand your experiences, hear some of the things about your diversity circles and how much you guys talk about and what kinds of things get raised. So for the next three days, we'll be talking to a lot of people across the campus. We also ask you to compile information, archival information, our, our programmatic inf information, demographic information, because you know your context best. So we want to hear what's been tried before, what was going on before Dr. Nance was hired in this particular position, what's been your experience with some of the programs that have been most successful. And so we'll do this institutional audit by doing both qualitative and quantitative information gathering. We'll do some ethnographic observations, which means we'll experience your campus. So you'll see us all over the place. And when I say us, I'm here with Nicole Bullock, who's sitting with me on the front row. And we'll just experience your campus. So you should smile and say nice things like hello, uh, <laughs> because we'll note whether or not we experience you as friendly. Uh, but that's a part of it. Our experience of you when we're in the cafeteria and those kinds of places are a part of our ethnography. Just how do we experience the culture here at Goshen? We'll also experience the environment around your campus because your campus is not in isolation. It's just, it's here, but it's also how people experience the neighboring community. So we'll do those kinds of information gathering approaches. And so the first step of this process is what we call data collection. And the whole, uh, uh, 
decision here is to determine what we're measuring and how we want to look at your leadership, your roles, your vision, your dreams, and how you go about ha making those things happen. After we do the data collection process, then we gather all of that in com combination with your diversity committee and we'll analyze, we'll analyze it. We'll take all that stuff into account and we read it, we'll go back to your website, we'll make believe we are prospective students or prospective parents and I'll just go to your website. My son is a student at Azusa Pacific University and we literally had to look at websites to try to figure out which schools he was going to apply to. I'm going to pretend I'm a parent all over again looking for a school and we'll go to your website and we'll look at some of your electronic stuff. We'll look at your admissions process and we'll just try to review it for you. But I want you to know this, that we're not in the process of just trying to look for things that are wrong. We use a process to do this called an appreciative inquiry approach. Let me talk a little bit about this appreciative inquiry approach. Basically, when you're trying to do an appreciative inquiry, you're looking for what is working in a context. So you're not just trying to say, let's see if we can't find where they're blowing it. We're really trying to see what capacities are here that can be built upon for this work of diversity. What things are going well? Where is their strengths? What personnel is here that are committed to students from different cultures? Who's doing what? And how can we celebrate that? How can we build on that? So we use an appreciative inquiry approach. We also use what's called an active action research approach. And let me tell you about that. Action in, uh, research means that we're looking for information that can help us to help you develop a strategic plan that moves you to action. So this is not research for research's sake. This is not asking you questions because you were asked those same questions a hundred times before. This will all be compiled into a report. And that report will then be worked into a process where between the diversity committee and my consulting team will help you to develop recommendations for how you want to move forward. How will you implement all of this good information that we've gathered for you. And so we do that in collaboration with with your diversity committee. And then what happens before we decide what we're going to actually do, the final step of this process is we have something called, ready, a feedback session. Now let me take off my glasses and tell you why. We used to write these absolutely fabulous reports fabulous reports that we were so impressed with because they were so thorough, but we would submit them without having this feedback meeting, and this is what we learned. People would read the report, but they wouldn't necessarily implement it. And we thought, what's the problem? Well, what we've learned is this. Consultants are just consultants, and people who come from the outside don't know what you should do. This is your school. This is your campus. You're the experts here and you know what should happen next. And so we do the report, but we don't make the recommendations without a feedback session with the key stakeholders, administrators, people from the diversity committee. If, if the school so chooses, there could be people from the board who'll be a part of that conference conversation, faculty members, but together a team of people will decide what are the recommendations that seem to be the most important ones for Goshen College based upon the findings of the report. 
When that is done, we come together after that feedback meeting, and then the diversity committee, in collaboration with the consultants, will develop the, the recommendations that you believe are the ones you should do. When I'm asked where the process breaks down, it was at that point. And since that point that we've added this feedback process, I can tell you this, to 100% accuracy, people are beginning to implement their strategy because it wasn't the outsiders telling folks what to do. It was those of you here in this community who owned it, who decided this is what we think we can do next. This is what we can afford. This is what we have energy for. This is what we have the capacity to do. And so after that is finished, we will bind that all of that together, the findings of your consultants and the recommendations of your team that will be put together in a book given to you in that document so you now have something that you can refer to to guide you forward for the next three to five years and we'll also send it to you electronically so that it can be disseminated throughout the community. It could be shown to you here in another convocation so that you at the end of this process don't have to wonder whatever happened to that report they did. Hopefully the end of this will be a clear communication to the rest of the Goshen community about what we found and what we intend to do. So that's what a cultural audit is. Don't be scared by the word audit. Uh, it really is a self-study so that you can decide where are we and where would we like to go. It's a way for you be to begin to document your progress, to benchmark your success so that you can say we were here and now we're here and we have some strong data that shows that we are moving in the right direction. That's all I want to say. I think that it's time for me to turn it back over to you to see if you have questions you'd like to ask me about this process. So what questions do you have for things that are happening on campus, for what has been presented to you this morning, what would you like to know more about what's not clear, or what would you like to say um, as, as a reflection towards what you've heard this morning? The question is, if I understood, is what kind of recommendations have we given to other colleges that are similar to Goshen? Here's my first gut response. I don't know enough about Goshen to be able to say who's similar to you. We literally come into a context with no presuppositions. So I know that there's a Mennonite background here, and I know that there's a sense of a peacemaking justice ethos that's true of this college campus. Would, would that be true? Yes, nod of heads, yeah. So that's how much I know about Goshen thus far. I think any other extrapolations that I would try to draw from this campus to another campus would be a stretch right now because I don't know enough. But in three days, I could answer that question. <laughs> Excellent question, though. I can tell you some of the other places we've done audits, though. Anderson University, we've just completed one. Cedarville University, Olivet Nazarene University, Westmont University, North Park University, Bethel College, Mishawaka. So you guys can ask all of them, were we nice or not? Um, and did we do our job? I'm really pleased we've done one for Sojourners in Washington, D.C. Uh, so we're working with Jim Wallace, and I'm really excited to be a part of working in Washington, D.C. So we've just finished one for Sojourners in D.C. This is a great place to ask questions about our business. We'll tell you everything. 
what is one of the most common recommendations? I'd say maybe two. One of the things that we've discovered is that on many college campuses, there are pockets of good activity going on. There's generally no campus where there's nothing happening. Often there's a professor who is committed to justice and diversity, and he or she is doing that in his or her classroom on their own, or there's a diversity committee, and that committee is working hard. But what we found is that oftentimes there's not enough of a coordination between what's happening in the different pockets, and so the campus doesn't get the benefit of all things moving in the same direction because it's not a coordinated effort. So the more that we can help figure out who's coordinating this, who's responsible for making sure what's happening in student life is impacting the faculty, that helps you to move toward what's called the tipping point, where your energies actually start to produce change. One of the reasons why people don't see enough change is because their efforts are not coordinated well. I think the other, I said there's two, is how important it is for the president of your university and you already have this, to clearly have a vision for this, where the president or CEO of a company or institution does not have the vision for this, it's difficult for it to move forward with as much energy because you as a community need to know that this is not a sidebar, but it's central to who you are, and it's the president who casts that vision for you. So we often talk to every institution about the positive and important role of the president. So if you want to go to the diversity page of Anderson University, click on the picture of the president, his name is Dr. Edwards, he gives a 13-minute speech on the diversity page about why he as president is committed to this one thing, being a part of his legacy as president of that university. Great question. Thank you. I'm loving this. Let's keep going. <laughs> Any other questions you guys have for me? They're great questions. Well, let me ask you, does it make sense to you um, by show of hands, um, and so it may not, uh, does the process seem to make sense to you of what we're about to do? Yes? Great. All right, I'm going to ask you another question by show of hands. Have you ever gone through a process before about diversity where, I'm going to start with faculty, where as by faculty you've been asked questions about your pedagogy, your curriculum, et cetera, about diversity. Has this happened before by show of hands? Yes? It has. Okay, great. And for students, likewise, I'd love to know if you've gone through this before. Okay, great. That's helpful to me. All right. Thank you for letting me ask you questions. Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, are you going to hang around? these parts in here for a few minutes, just in case Dr. people Nance would like to, yes. to greet. She's okay. really in control of my schedule. Okay, all right. So we will uh, be around here for a few minutes if there are questions that you think of on your way out. Um, there, is, uh, there are brochures and sign-up sheets for diversity circles just outside this door. And um, look for things to be happening on campus. Thank you very much for being here this morning.